0: Well this morning I have the joy of of preaching as well and um, I do it with a bit of fear and trembling this morning Um, because the topic I felt that God wanted to uh, share with us this morning is the topic of pride. We'll just get that over and done with shall we? If you want to leave the room now because you don't think you've got a problem, feel free, grab some headphones, go outside, um, grab a coffee. But no, seriously, um, this is an area I think that often we overlook as people. Um, I want you just, in your mind's eye, just as we start this morning, maybe someone from TV or maybe someone from a movie or something like that, think of somebody, a character that you know that's, oh, that person's a proud person. Don't think of anyone in here. Don't elbow to the person next to you. Um, think of someone maybe from media, maybe from a, a TV show or a movie, you thought, oh, that character, oh, he really rubs me up the wrong way. Just have that in your mind's eye. I don't know if any of you have watched um, the series Poldark. Anybody? Yeah, there's this guy, um, there's this one character. There's Poldark who's the kind of the hero guy. And there's this one guy who's, um, he's just the most horrible character. He's so, he, he's skneiving, he's screaming, he's making himself up the social ladder. He's, he's horrible. And I just think, oh, someone just wants to punch him in the nose. Because he's just that character you know, that deep in his, he's just this proud, horrible character, and everything about him is just emanating out. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things that we easily see in other people or society around us, don't we? We see, oh, we identify it, and we look at it, and we point fingers. Um, but actually, when you think about it, we sometimes have to think about it a little bit and think, hmm, am I proud? And I don't know about you, but my first reaction when if I'm going to ask myself the question is, <laughs> no. It's easy to see in other people, isn't it? You, 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 you don't open anyone still, okay? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's harder to see actually some of these things in ourselves. Now, I'm not trying to make enemies here. I'm not going to start pointing fingers and uh, fingers and accusing people. But I just want us to just start this, mo- this 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 time together, um, just acknowledging that perhaps, just perhaps some of us might have a pride issue. Take that as you will. Don't throw stones at me yet. But um, just just perhaps, we start on that basis that maybe each of us here, however far we think we are at at the moment, but maybe some of us may have an issue of pride. And we're just going to talk about that this morning. We're going to see what the Bible says, because throughout the Bible, from Genesis through to Revelations, pride is a consistent theme, a consistent issue that's raised through many different characters. And there's a consistent consistent response that God gives to pride. You might think uh, from Genesis, you might look at Adam and Eve and think, hmm, yeah, there's an element of pride, isn't it, in in, in their fall and how humanity fell. You might see in Exodus how Pharaoh is against God, and there's an element of pride there in not letting the people go, the Israelites go. You might see throughout the kings in the Bibles, from uh, kings all the way through uh, those books and chronicles, you see king after king rising up falling to pride next king comes pride and fall and there's this consistent theme throughout the bible so you might think in the new testament the pharisees of course they're the ones they're the ones you think no look that's that's pride right there they're putting law in other people they're setting up themselves and and uh, putting themselves up against jesus so it's not something that is new it's not something that we're necessarily immune to either as people in the church. It's an issue, and we have to talk about it. But I think sometimes also we, we gloss over pride a little bit. We kind of say, ah, uh, it's not that bad. If I was to stand up this morning and say to you guys, and admit my sins to you, and one of my sins, if I was to say, you know what, guys, I really struggle with being a liar. I don't know what your view of me would be. I'm not going to tell Ed anything anymore. Or if I stood up here and said, you know what, I have a problem with stealing. You might just hold on to your, uh, your bags a little bit tighter. Because <laughs> we think, oh, that's horrible. Surely not. He can't stand up there and preach because he's, he's, he's a stealer and he's a liar or whatever it may be. But yeah, if I was to stand up here and say, guys, you know what, I'm struggling a little bit with pride this week. You kind of might go, oh, it's okay. Just It's okay. Pat me on the shoulder. You know, I'll pray for you. Thanks, guys. But you know what God's view is of pride? I was going to read something from Proverbs, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 says, if I can find where I put it. Proverbs 16 says that pride is an abomination. It's an abomination to God. It disgusts him. When God sees pride in us, in humanity, he's disgusted. Just let that settle a bit, because again, Maybe we're, we're neutralized to it because of society. Everything in society at the moment promotes the self. It promotes you as the center. It promotes I. Everything. You look at Apple, everything is based on I, iMac, iPod, iPad. Everything is about me, iTunes. Everything is centralized about the singular person. I was, looking, I was walking on the tube this, uh, this week, and I don't know if you know that Thompson Holidays has just rebranded themselves to. I thought, that's a really stupid way of rebranding. I don't even know what it means. It's not even a word. But what their tagline is, is we cross the... And Thompsons is a holiday company. So they, you know, they set up holidays for people and bookings and stuff like that. But their tagline is, cross the T's, dot the I's, and you are at the center. And I thought, ooh, that's actually quite good. That's quite good marketing. Somebody's thought that up. But again, it's placing you as the center. You are the center of the holiday. We're all about you promoting your holiday, your rights, um, And everything, I don't know about you, but in media and society at the moment, everything is promoting and it's normalized. Surely, life is about me. Surely, pride isn't that bad because actually, everyone else says it's fine. It's good to be prideful. A little bit, not too much. But um, I want to just quote this really from C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity, his chapter, The Great Sin, there is one vice, one sin which no man in the works is free. Everyone else in the world knows when he sees it in someone else, and of which any person ever imagined that they are guilty of themselves. This utmost evil is pride. So again, I wanna, we want to talk about pride because firstly, no one is immune to it. You may be a you might be at different recognitions of where you are with it, but no one is immune to it. Whether you stand up here, whether you're a worship leader, whether you're on the prayer ministry team, pride can just make its way in at any moment. You could be praying for somebody, and you're praying, God bless this person, and they respond. You go, oh, I must have done something amazing. Or you could be leading worship, and all oh, these guys, they're singing along. Look how great, I didn't even write the song, but look how great they're responding. You know, It comes in at every moment in our lives. Whether we recognize it or not, it's in us. Pride is deceptive. So we want to talk about pride as well, because pride is deceptive. It's not something that's so apparent and rears its face, but actually it's something that infiltrates all of our lives. I don't know if you know the character uh, Mystique in, in X-Men. Anybody know that character? So she's this shift shaper. She can transform herself from being anybody. So at one point she could be Andrew and suddenly change and become like Leslie and have glasses suddenly, Um, and you know there's all these, there's there's this character in X-Men and she infiltrates all the different areas of, of, uh, of the movie because she has this ability to shift shape. So it is also with pride. It has an ability and a power to invade areas of our lives. The other reason why we need to talk about pride is because we can see it in other people, but we don't necessarily see it in ourselves. There's there's sometimes a a blind spot that we have, and it's called a blind spot because we don't see it. Um, But also, one of the most important things is that pride also doesn't just work in ourselves and destroys us internally. It also destroys those around us. And as a community, as a church, you know, God's bringing wonderful things in this place. He's bringing people. He's bringing um, great music. He's bringing all these wonderful things, um, new ministries, new people, yet Pride can destroy and eat its way into this community in such a way that we keep on going, keep on doing amazing things, but actually at the heart of it, things are being eroded. And that's something I certainly want to guard against within this community and within our family. So it clashes with people around us, but lastly, it clashes with God. Pride clashes with God. I'll read again from James. It says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the word oppose... In James, James 4, 6, is actually a word that he's actively against pride. He's not just going, oh, pride, you know, oh well, push it aside. He's actually against it. He is um, aggressively almost countering it. And we want to be aware of that because one thing, one person we want to be right with is our our families, our friends, but also with God. And so today we're going to um, just focus on that. We're going to trying to find what pride is, we're going to see how it infiltrates our lives, and also what God gives us as the solution to fight and combat pride. So my talk this morning is called Pride but the Pursuit of Humility. Pride and the Pursuit of Humility. So firstly, what is pride? Let's try and give a definition because um, you might be struggling. Am I prideful? Am I not? Let's just try and frame that a little bit with a bit of a definition. Pride is defined as a preoccupation a preoccupation with our self-importance. A preoccupation with our self-importance. And as we said before, pride is seen throughout the Bible. You can see characters where their own interests, their own self-importance, them raising themselves up, is, is placed above everything else around. You might think of King Nebuchadnezzar in, uh, in Daniel, how God humbled him. But you see how he raised himself up. He thought, oh, here I am, the great king of all these nations. Uh, most powerful, most glorified and he's raising himself, it's easy to see that definition work out but I want to just highlight two areas in the Bible specifically where pride is seen um, Ezekiel 28 talks about uh, Satan, it talks about how the heart of, so Satan was was named Lucifer, he was an archangel in uh, in, in at the start of creation and you know, God said wonderful things about, about Lucifer. He said wonderful things. He said, you are anointed guardian cherubim. I place you, uh, you are on the holy mountain of God, in the midst of stones of fire you walked. I have no idea what that means, but, um, <laughs> but it sounds awesome, doesn't it? You're in the presence of God. You're walking on, on stones of fire. You are blameless in your ways. This is God speaking to Lucifer. You are blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Until unrighteousness was found in you, and you almost see the tenderness of God's voice here, O oh guardian cherubim. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Can you see that? How the created being, the most one, probably, if you saw Lucifer in that state, you would be like, "Wow, you know, amazing." No one, no other angel is talked about in this way in the bible but lucifer is but beauty his own beauty his own self-importance the created being raised himself up above the creator and from that you know his fall he was cast out of heaven uh, enemy of god and that's our first picture of of how the created beings place themselves above the creator but let's not just save it for the um for the, for the heavenly realms and the angelic beings, let's, let's look at ourselves a little bit. Adam and Eve, Genesis 3-5. They knew God's word. They knew God's presence. Yet they chose to place themselves above the creator. We read in Genesis 3-5, and this is um, Satan tempting uh, Adam and Eve. And he says this, For God knows... That when you eat and when you disobey God, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here in Genesis, we see that the created beings, again, they they want to experience something. They believe that they can be God. They believe they can raise themselves up above the creator. And that's the problem, isn't it? That is what pride is. It's placing ourselves, and we're not immune to it either. The church isn't. Our default position is that we want to be like God. We want to raise ourselves and be in control. We want to say, God, actually, your way is good, but actually I have some of my ideas as well. Um, I don't know how that's sitting with you at the moment. Um, I remember when I was praying for this, my my worst fear would be that you'd feel in some way condemned because that's not my intention here. My intention is just to say what the Bible says and for the Holy Spirit to allow him to seek uh, out your heart. But really, the, the picture I want to give you is it's like a spotlight. These spotlights are pretty bright and um, it's pretty blinding when you look at them. But am I, is my orientation of my heart one where I'm standing in the light and I'm going, wow, looking pretty good? Or is my desire for that spotlight to shine on Jesus? I want to think about that. Is my desire, just generally in life, is it in people around you, is it your desire to see people to see me, what I can do, how I am, what I own, or is my desire in life to orientate and shine that light, that spotlight onto the one who is truly great, the one who is truly wonderful, the one who is truly beautiful? Sometimes I think pride comes when we take the spotlight off Jesus and we shine it on ourselves and what happens is that we think that our beauty is what matters and not the majesty of Christ. It's why it's so important we gather as a church. It's so important why we as a community we're together because so often the world says it's about you. It's about me. It's about I. But actually what we're doing in the worship is that we're saying, no, Jesus, you are the beautiful one. You are the most glorious one. The spotlight needs to be on you. My life needs to shine onto you and not onto what I have achieved. I would heard this wonderful quote um, because one of the things I realized, if our orientation is, this, is that we want the spotlight to be on ourselves, is that we're actually saying that we want to be God. We want to be in control. We believe that we are the ones who are, uh, have authority, ultimate authority over our lives. But uh, I had this quote, and it's from a wonderful uh, old preacher called J. Vernon McGee. And um, it's like this. He's a little old man with a squeaky voice, but it says something like this. This is God's universe, And he does things his way. Now, you may have a better way of doing things, but you don't have a universe. Think about it. If we as created beings are trying to raise ourselves up and be like the creator, in charge, in authority, what are we actually bringing? What do we actually say we're bringing? You know, I don't know about you guys, but... um, I don't get sick often, but um, this thing called man flu is a horrible thing. It it, it destroys the strongest of men. Um, (laughs) Little microorganisms I can't even see can floor me. (laughs) Who am I? What power do I have to overcome these these little tiny things that uh, you can't even see, but apparently they're in the air and they're going to inflict us all in the next couple of months when the winter comes. Um, What do I have? You know, sometimes when I think about it, when I'm lying in my sick bed and going, "Oh, woe is me," you know what? God is in charge. God has ultimate authority. God has ultimate authority. What wisdom do I have? What knowledge and what power do I really have when these little microorganisms put me in bed for a day or so? You know, we make lousy gods. That's my. If you leave this place of anything this morning, we make lousy gods. Does anyone agree with me? What power do we have? What authority do we have really over the circumstances outside? What control do we have? But we you know what, when we place ourselves under the authority of God, we have a wonderful God. Think about it. He's not a God who is come to us in great uh, might and with a, with a massive sword and, and power and you know, aggression, but he comes as a humble babe, lowly at heart. and that's an amazing thing. We want to remember that authority, being under authority, God's authority, is a wonderful thing. A Father's heart over you and I. And I know that Tim um, talked about that last week quite a bit, about the Father. So, how do we know whether or not we, we have the issue of pride or not? Because I said already that we all suffer from pride to different degrees, whether we recognize it or not. Um, but you know what? It's, it's, I want to say that pride is elusive within our hearts. Um, just to give an example of, 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 what, I, of what I'm trying to say, um, high pride does disguise itself, but if it's in you, it will have some effect on your life. It will have some fruit in the things that we do and think and say. I remember going to Singapore um, in the height of kind of the, M1, is it the M1A1 bird flu virus. I think it was a few years ago. And uh, you walk in the airport. We got off the plane flying from uh, London, going to Singapore to see Enching's parents. And um, they had these, these infrared scanners. Everyone seen them. You, know, you kind of walk and what, what they have is that they're trying to spot whether or not you have this bird flu influenza because it's very contagious and they're trying to stop people coming in and they'll quarantine you and put you into a room somewhere if they catch you. So you're walking through immigration and have this, uh, this infrared camera scanner and you, they're supposed to look at you and they see kind of you know red spots, you know sweat and stuff like that and obviously they'll quarantine you on the side. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, you're walking, you know it's there, you kind of think, okay, cool down, cool down. Found me, found me, found me. And then sweat's pouring out even more. And it's like that, isn't it? If it's inside of you, you can't hide the symptoms. If pride is inside of you, it's going to come out in some form. And there's two ways I want to just share that somehow it can come out. The first one is pride could come out with a critical spirit. Okay? Critical spirit. And what this looks like is and, and I, this is not being condemning this is just me this is what i've experienced in my own walk with god in my own critical spirit finding fault in other people you someone bakes a cake and brings it and you look at it and go yeah. hmm. <laughs> i could do better maybe you you find you have remarks you have this internal monologue within you that is just geared towards Oh, that's not that great. Oh, that's not that, hmm, it's not quite good. And it doesn't meet up to your standards. I don't know if any of you relate to that. It's critical spirit. The second thing I want to say is that pride sometimes comes out in comparison, self-comparison. You measure other things up to how you would expect it to be. So if someone's doing worship and it's, ooh, you know, I could sing better than that. I can reach that note. Why can't you? <laughs> or um, you're, you're, you're basically saying that people have to meet my standard. What I say is what is good and acceptable. And the only, what that does is that you are choosing to uh, tear down other people to build yourself up. You're doing this. If, I'm, if they're here and I'm here to make myself here, I'm having to tear you down in my own heart. Do you see how destructive this is? Do you see how evasive and how quickly you can go from doing something wonderful, like leading worship or, or whatever, praying for someone, serving tea and coffee, and this sin, can, sin and pride can just evade itself into those situations and being aware of those things. And if you don't guard against those things, um, they can quickly escalate into these areas of life. So I want to share just three ways in which we, as the people in the church, can be susceptible to pride. Um, And this is taken from Jeremiah 9.23. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. So there's three ways it mentions in Jeremiah 29 in which we, as people in the church, can come susceptible to pride. The first one, uh, the first area of life, is in wisdom. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Those of you in college, in university, in school, please don't quit. (laughs) For the back of this message. We need people to grow in wisdom. We need people to grow in knowledge. We need people to learn and and, uh, think of new ways to do things and be innovative and discover and learn from others. But education is good. But when our confidence becomes in what I know, what I think is right, what my wisdom is, and takes dependency away from God's word, from what his words say. Now that is where pride comes in. You know, true wisdom, it says in Hebrews, is when we acknowledge that our wisdom of this world is foolishness. So God's wisdom is, like, is wisdom beyond what we can imagine. Our wisdom is like foolishness before him. Now that's when you really understand and come to a place where you tremble at God's word and you know that he is so wise. And what I think is wise within me, actually, is like foolishness. So let's first thing is pride comes out in, sometimes in our wisdom, in which we perceive as wisdom and our knowledge. And the second area, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Uh, we're susceptible to pride in an area of power. What we do, what our talents are, what our gifts are, Some of us are born coming out of the womb playing music, apparently. Um, You know, we're so good, so natural at certain things. You might be an excellent cook. You might be a, a wonderful carer, a mother. You might be just amazing at art. Fantastic. Amazing gifts that have been given to you. Yet pride comes in and says, you know what? Look what I have. Look what I can do. And the area we have to be aware of sometimes is that these gifts We didn't earn them. They're called gifts because they're given to you. And the most beautiful thing we can do with them is to give them back to the Lord. Give them back to him and say, thank you, God. This is your gift you've given to me. Use it for your glory, not for mine. Yet, sometimes we just think that the gift is mine and I'm going to use it for how I want to use it. The last area where we're susceptible to pride from Jeremiah 9. Riches, let not the rich man boast in his riches. I spoke about, a few months ago, I spoke about work and jobs and how it's good to work and how we need to work to provide and to provide for families and to um, save and, 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 you know, this, there's a good thing of work and making provision. And I know that many of you in this community here are, fir- are first generation immigrants also from, uh, from South Africa, from other nations. And what you go through is applaudable. You've moved from maybe a place of home and left your family and you've come here and established yourselves, built businesses, um, bought homes, established yourself. Praise God. Good. Well done. But let's not make that our boast. Let's not make that our ability to generate wealth and to provide for ourselves become the thing that grips our hearts. If it was for our own ability, if if it was just us, our own ability, uh, you know, God can simply take that away so quickly. It's not within our own abilities. Everything that we have is grace given. Every good thing, every good and perfect gift that God has placed in our hearts is a gift of grace and comes from the Father above. We really do have to focus sometimes and just reassess the areas of our lives. Are these elements, I'm trying to be quite, you know, a bit prerogative and trying to poking you a little bit, but... um. You know, Really, do, these, do you recognize some of these elements in your lives? Because if you do, that's the seed of pride in those areas. So what do we do with this issue of pride? Um, what is the solution? If it's so evasive, if it's so prevalent, if society all around us is pushing us and encouraging us uh, towards self, what is our solution? And the only place I can really go to is, is Hebrews 12, where it says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The solution is the cross. The solution is humility. Seeing true humility worked out from the Savior. If you have a vision of what true humility is, if you have a vision of what God as a humble king has done for you, You know, how can you be prideful? How can we continue in the same patterns of thinking that come? Humility, effectively, uh, if we want to define it, is um, a form of uh, self-forgetfulness as opposed to pride's self-fixation. Self-forgetfulness as opposed to pride's self-fixation. Again, C.S. Lewis puts it so well. Um, True humility is not thinking less of ourselves, Humility humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And in Jesus, we have the perfect example of the one who thought of himself less. He didn't think of himself any less than he should do. He thought of himself less. And this is how he did it. And Paul puts it so beautifully in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each one of you not only look to his own interests but also to the interests of others have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ who though he was the form of God did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself by taking the form of the servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. When we think about Jesus, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, what do we see? We see God who laid aside his majesty to take up frail humanity. More than that, He emptied himself. He didn't come to humanity as a king or so a proclaimed ruler as other people expected him to be. He came as a servant. He humbled himself even to the point of death and not even any old death. Death on the cross. The most shameful death for a criminal. So how do we weaken this power of pride? How do we pursue humility? We set our eyes on Jesus there's nothing more joyful and wonderful to know is that when you see yourselves in the light of Jesus' glory, everything else pales away. But practically, is something humility has to be something that we cultivate. You, I could stop here and humility is of Humility, yes, humility is good. Pride is bad. Can be in our minds, but practically, what are the steps that we can take as a community, as a people, to cultivate humility and to build on that? My first point would be focus on the cross. Focus on what Jesus has done for you. Focus on the glory and the wonder and the beauty. Place yourself in that story again. Recognize who you are before uh, grace, before mercy, before love. The great hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost and poor contempt on all of my pride. We set our eyes on the cross. We set our eyes on the Son of God, humbling himself for our sins, for pride, for arrogance, for whatever else pride comes out as. The second area we can weaken pride and pursue humility is that we focus on his grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Again, grace we, we, I love this church because we, we, we speak grace upon each other. One of the things we can do as a community is recognize God's grace in your life. Um, I know this feels like um, a message where I'm saying this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin. But actually one of the most helpful things that we can do as a community is to identify sin. We don't excuse sin, but the things we can do is actually recognize God's grace in you. Wow. Well done, Neil. You've, you, you love your family. That's God's grace on you. Uh, well done, uh, Leslie. You serve those guys on Friday night fun. What grace God has given you to give you a heart for those kids. Um, you know, who, Jesse, well done for leading worship. It was God's grace giving you a heart of worship this morning. We fix our eyes on encouraging and recognizing grace in other people's lives. What a beautiful thing that would be for us as a community. The third thing we can do to weaken pride and pursue humility is we submit to his word. God's word never changes. Will we submit to it, even the hard bits. we we'll be humble enough and say, actually, God, you are wiser than the wise of this world. My wisdom is like foolishness before you. You've given me your word. Help me to submit to it, even when I may disagree. Focus on his praise. We sang this morning. Um, how wonderful Jesus is. Uh, oh Lord, oh Lord, our God. You know, every, more, every week we need to be praising him. We need to be setting our hearts on his praise because when we see the light and shine the shine spotlight on him, we take it off ourselves. So we focus on the cross, we focus on his grace, we submit to his words, we focus on his praise. Um, what else can we do as a church community to pursue humility? We invite others to speak truthfully to us. As we said, pride is one of those things which is elusive to our own eyes. We recognize it in other people, but we hard, find it hard to see it in our own eyes. That's why we need to be part of small groups and community. Because we're inviting other people to say and look into our lives and give people the, uh, the ability and the rights to say, you know what, I need you, you need me. Speak Identify areas which you see in me. Question my attitudes. Help me to grow. Because it says in Proverbs, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And lastly, the way we can hopefully build humility and grow is still not have to serve. Jesus says he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant. And you know what? That's our call as well. Our call is to serve Christ by serving other people. And in those situations, in those areas where we find God's calling, where we find his, his hand of grace in our lives, he's going to lead us through this, these areas of pride because, you know what? Because you're serving or because you're doing these things, they're not just suddenly so suddenly disappear. But what will be is you'll be aware of them. And then you have the ability to choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to act in a way which is self-fixation or... Um, others, by serving, by serving other people. So it's going to be a process. Um, if something in you already has started stirring, that you recognize the area of your life, praise God. It's not because I've done anything. It's because the Holy Spirit wants you to be a perfect and spotless bride. And our, my heart for you this morning is that we would grow from, maybe we don't recognize pride, and it's like a stronghold in our lives to an area maybe actually where we are aware of it, and then it becomes not just a stronghold, it becomes a struggle. And once it becomes a struggle, and you're able to fight against it with the power of the Holy Spirit, there can be freedom. We move from stronghold to struggle to freedom. And that's the place where we want to be this morning. I want you just to, maybe we can just take a bit of time and just allow this word to sink in our hearts. Maybe there's something specific that God has brought to your heart this morning. Um... Where you just need to, you just recognize, you know what, that's pride. And I don't want anything to do with it. That's pride. And I know it's going to erode something in my relationships with my friends or with my Lord. Maybe we can just spend a few moments now just being still. Um, and asking God, asking the Holy Spirit, God just reveal to me if there's an area of pride I need to work on. Father, in this place, we just want to give you thanks that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know, Lord, this, this message has been about identifying pride, but at the same time, you don't leave us, Lord, in a place where we find it, but you want to rescue us. This reading from Isaiah 66. God says, This is the one whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Lord, we want to just be people who are trembling right now before you. Acknowledging, Lord, that where pride exists, you are opposed to it. Where any element of pride rears its head, God, you want to fight for us and save us. Lord, where we feel tangled in pride, I thank you, God, Holy Spirit, that you have the power to untangle us. You have the power to refine our minds, refine our attitudes. Thank you, God, that you show us what true humility looks like. We look at the cross and all of our pride pales away. Help us this morning, Lord, to remind ourselves of the beauty of Jesus again. Fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. You show us, Lord, what true humility is. What beauty it is. Thank you, Lord, your word that says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And maybe this morning you want to start this this journey of, uh, of working through pride by just repenting. And repenting is turning one way and turning the other. Maybe your prayer this morning is to turn from pride and to embrace humility. Maybe on your own, just as you are. In this place, if God has revealed something to you by the, his Holy Spirit, by his kindness, would you just confess that? We're not going to raise hands, we're not going to do anything of that. We just want you and God, a space for you and God just to be and to deal with it. Thank you, God, as we repent. You would also give us the power to struggle against pride and to cultivate humility. Thank you, God, that you don't leave us in one place, but you want to grow us to be more like your son. So, Lord, my prayer is that as a community that we would protect each other. We would be in true fellowship and relationships that we can cultivate with each other in serving each other and serving others the heart of humility continue Lord God to be with us we pray as we struggle but thank you Lord for victory that comes through the cross we give you glory Lord Jesus because your desire for us is to be like your son the Lord Jesus Christ thank you for giving us each other that we can struggle with these things with you and in this place there's no condemnation because we know that it's not our power but it's your Holy Spirit leading and showing us and giving us grace for every Step of the way. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.